and dark like a storybook. He's got that little tingle. That whisper behind his ear that used to make him think he could have been a good cop. Leads his eyes, tracing down the scarred trunks to the ground, telling him, Look, look, it's right in front of you. But all he can see is an ocean of cracked and browning leaves. Look! A hand on his shoulder. Come on, Celia's making me dinner. And it's just as he turns around that he spots it, the shock causing him to grab Fisher's hand, and the men stand, holding hands and staring down at an opening in the pile of leaves, an eye staring back up at them, frozen over like a marble. By the time they get the leaves cleared away, Wally's hands are aching and he's got them locked over his mouth, blowing into them like a bellows, rhythmic wheezing in and out. Fisher looks at him and then down at the body, and then back at him again. The hell you doing that for? He pulls his hands away, sliding them inside his jacket and under his armpits. My goddamn Raynaud's. Fisher steps back, wrinkling his nose. Your hand disease? I'm not an effing leper. Wally takes his hands out and blows into them, but Fisher's looking back down. A cold wind rolls over the embankment. The brown hair lifts and waves in the wind, and for a second the gesture's so easy you'd almost think he was just resting. But the skin's gone bone white the lips frozen, curling back. And those eyes don't shut. And Wally wonders what kind of a man would lie naked on a rock or what kind of a man would put him there like that. Hell of a thing, Fisher says for the fifth time, each time like it's just occurred to him. Wally's only seen a body once before, seven years back now, two for the price of one. A car gone through the guardrails into a ravine out near Spanish. A yellow beetle. You'd never expect to find such peace in the middle of all that mess. But death has a way of looking easy. Still, it gets stuck in your craw. Like this body, almost unmarked, glazed like some Italian sculpture he saw in a book once. But the throat opens in a smile, coal black along the slash. Blood frozen up the chin, following the jawline, and then running along the ridge of the ear onto the rock, spilling down the slope, joining with a stream, finally freezing into a sheet of ice. Long, bloody fingers. What do you mean it's not working? I mean it's not working. It was working before. Not working now. Wally tries the key again, but this time even the dashboard lights won't blink. Effin' scrap metal. That's what they give him. Won't paint her, won't service her. He wants to get angry, tries, but only some kind of numbness rises up from his belly. He stares out the window at all that asphalt in either direction. No one's passed them the entire time they've been here. Effin' shortcut my ass.
Well, there's no traffic, is there? Yeah, and no help either. Stuck on this side road, still at least an hour west of the city. He can feel Fisher twitching, his big mouth winding up, but he gives him a look and grabs the radio. He cuts through the static and gets the dispatcher on, arguing with him about their unit number, reporting the body, explaining the dead battery, clarifying the battery and the body are two separate dead things, trying to give some idea of their location on whatever back road they happen to be stuck on. Back to static. What does he mean, we'll get to you when we get to you? He means we're special constables driving an empty prisoner transport and they only give a shit about real cops. Fisher zips his jacket and pulls the hood up. Arms crossed.